LGB and trans activists have taken control of much of the corporate world as companies from Anheuser-Busch to Target to North Face push LGBT propaganda, even at the risk of alienating customers. Target Corporation is the worst offender to date, teaming up with a Satanist designer to bring a line of products into its stores for Pride Month, specifically targeting kids with pro-trans products and messaging. The trans agenda onslaught is an attack against children, against reality, against God, and against Christianity. And it's a tool being used by radical leftists to tear apart the institution of the family, break down moral standards, and pave the way for replacing American society with a communist dystopia. But there is good news. Slowly but surely, truth, reality, and the good are winning. Plus, Sonny Hostin demonstrates the left's ignorance by declaring that Elon Musk is unpopular. The Black Lives Matter organization appears to be on the road to financial insolvency. The Democrat governor of North Carolina declares a state of emergency over the likely passage of a school choice bill. And the Los Angeles district attorney faces a backlog of 10,000 cases. I'm Doug Wardlow, and this is Founding Principles. It is time to go on offense. This is Founding Principles with Doug Wardlow. Our country is, right now, in the midst of a culture war like none we've ever seen before. The current onslaught against America and its Judeo-Christian foundations is being led by the forces of wokeism and, in particular, by the forces of radical trans activism. Indeed, radical trans activists are attacking from all angles, seeking to use all of America's institutions to their advantage from government to education to popular culture, corporate America, sports, and media. Consider corporate America. Not many months ago, Anheuser-Busch featured the trans-identifying influencer Dylan Mulvaney in advertisements for Bud Light. The campaign, not surprisingly, backfired. Indeed, the conservative boycott of Bud Light has been incredibly successful. According to industry data, sales volumes of Bud Light for the week ending May 13th sank 28.4%. The week just before that, they were down 27.7%. That's two terrible weeks in a row. It turns out that the conservative boycott has created a stigma around Bud Light that extends even beyond conservatives. Some people who are not social conservatives are choosing not to drink Bud Light in part because if they do, they may get drawn into a conversation about Anheuser-Busch and the trans agenda that they'd rather avoid. And this is a very good thing. In addition to sending a strong message to Anheuser-Busch, the boycott is spreading awareness about the trans agenda and the extent to which LGBTQIA++ 1234 alphabet soup activists are on the attack against traditional American culture. But the trans activist crowd is not yet defeated and other corporations apparently didn't learn from the ongoing Bud Light saga. North Face, the well-known outdoor clothing and apparel company, very recently put out a new ad featuring a man in drag promoting the LGBT agenda and telling viewers to come out. Let's watch. Hi, it's me, Patagonia, a real-life homosexual. And today, I'm here with the North Face. We are here to invite you to come out in nature with us. Wow, this is nice. We like to call this little tour the Summer of Pride. The ad goes on for another 40 seconds or so, but I think that is more than enough. You get the idea. Or more precisely, you don't get the idea. No one does. No one can understand this advertisement because it is completely senseless. How exactly does an effeminate drag queen prancing around like a moron out in a field somewhere talking nonsensically about LGBT issues help sell jackets and other apparel to people who are into hiking and skiing and camping and mountain climbing? It does not. This is not advertising, not advertising products. This is corporate America pushing out LGBT propaganda, shoving the trans agenda in the face of customers, the vast majority of whom either disagree vehemently with that agenda or simply don't want to hear about it at all. So it's time to boycott North Face. 
and teach them the same lesson that Anheuser-Busch has been learning. And then we have Target. Target Corporation, based right here in my home state of Minnesota, is perhaps the worst of all corporate offenders so far when it comes to pushing the LGBT and trans agendas. As you've likely heard, Target released a new line of so-called Pride products ahead of Pride Month. The new, line of feature, the new line features a number of products geared towards small children and babies, including infants and toddler, uh, kids' clothing, accessories, and books, like Bye Bye Binary and the Pronoun Book. It's terrible. They are also sent, selling tuck-friendly swimsuits, as well as LGBTQ-themed onesies for babies. But that's not all. Part of Target's new Pride collection includes clothing reportedly made by a UK-based brand whose designer has expressed Satanist views. That's right. Target reportedly teamed up with a Satanist designer working with the UK-based company Abprolin for about a year to bring LGBTQ products into its stores. Now, Abprolin also sells apparel that features pentagrams, horned skulls, and references to the devil. Isn't that nice? Well, in fact, there's nothing nice about it. Target is actively trying to indoctrinate kids into the LGBT agenda, putting these sinister products direct, directed specifically at children on display in their stores and on their website for all to see. Many conservative commentators are calling for a boycott of Target, and that's exactly what we need to do. Already, Target is facing major backlash, and the boycott is having an impact. Per a company statement, Target is removing some pride items from, the, from its stores and from its website. Per the company statement, the company also held an emergency meeting to deal with the backlash, and there are reports that Target has instructed numerous stores to reduce the size of their pride sections and move them to the back of the store. The company has suggested that they are reacting to violent confrontations at stores, but no reporting gives any specifics or details of any supposed confrontations or threats of confrontations. It appears that this is likely just an excuse. It's much more likely that Target is being overwhelmed with customer dissatisfaction that threatens its bottom line. And that is a very good thing. Target needs to learn the lesson that Anheuser-Busch is learning with regard to Bud Light. But here is one key question. Why on earth, in light of what happened to Bud Light, are companies like Target and North Face still jumping on the trans and LGBT activism bandwagon? Why are they willing to risk alienating their customers and sacrificing their sales and their bottom line? Well, one part of the answer must be the fact that they are essentially being held hostage by radical activist groups like the Human Rights Campaign. These groups put enormous pressure on corporations to conform and join in pushing their agenda or face the wrath of leftist activists. It's also true that true believers in the trans agenda nonsense have infiltrated the ranks of corporate America. There seem to be many true believers at Target, for example. According to the New York Post, the Target CEO himself told a podcast last week that woke capitalism was good for business and that marketing products that are LGBTQ friendly was the right thing for society. We have to make sure that people like the Target CEO learn that woke capitalism is bad for business and bad for society. Very bad. And the only way to do that is through an all-out continuing boycott. At the very least, no conservative and no Christian should spend a dime of money during the month of June at Target. Indeed, we have a moral imperative to refuse to shop at Target. Now, we can't boycott every company that wades into wokeism. But we must strategically target the worst offenders and make an example out of them. And Target is obviously the worst offender, considering that it teamed up with a Satanist designer and is pushing LGBT products at children in what can only be described as a brazen attempt to corrupt the youth. If we don't boycott egregious corporate offenders like Target, then we are giving in to the radical left and giving up on defending our faith and our fundamental values. And don't forget what's at stake here. The trans agenda is evil, downright evil. 
The trans agenda seeks to groom children and push more people, including kids, into the delusion that one's biological sex is not the immutable, unchangeable gift of God that it is, determined and reflected by your chromosomes. The trans agenda denies the reality that just about every cell in a person's body contains either the XX or XY chromosomes declaring that the person is either a man or a woman. That's why we can tell if a person who died, say, 500 years ago was a man or a woman just by digging up a bone fragment. So the trans agenda is a direct attack against God and against the truths woven into God's creation. It is also evil because it ignores and indeed promotes the infliction of severe harms on people, including children in terms of their physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual well-being. The trans agenda seeks to normalize self-identification of gender identity, a completely made-up concept, and with that, to normalize gruesome gender mutilation medical procedures and drugs. These procedures have very serious, long-lasting impacts on a person's health. For example, hormone therapy can cause infertility and increase the risk of certain cancers. The changes to a child's body, including, for example, the development of breasts or the deepening of the voice, are permanent, or at the very least, extremely difficult to reverse entirely. And that's not not all. According to Dr. Michelle Cortella, former executive director of the American College of Pediatricians, cross-gender hormones increase a child's risk for coronary disease and sterility. Puberty suppression hormones prevent the development of secondary sex characteristics, arrest bone growth, decrease bone accretion, and prevent full maturation of the brain. Oral estrogen, which is administered to gender dysphoric boys, may cause thrombosis, cardiovascular disease, weight gain, elevated blood pressure, decreased glucose tolerance, gallbladder disease, and breast cancer, among other things. Just as bad are the physical, as the, these physical harms are the emotional and psychological harms. Most, and if they are honest, all people who undergo these procedures struggle with feelings of terrible regret and dissatisfaction. And how could it be otherwise? The person undergoing these procedures is attempting to pretend that they are something that they are not, to fight against reality itself. When it comes to minors, the risks posed by gender-affirming treatments and surgeries are even more pronounced. Children and teenagers, teenagers are still developing both physically and emotionally, and subjecting them to these procedures no doubt has even more profound negative impacts on their overall well-being for life. The fact is that children cannot possibly understand the implications of undergoing a so-called gender transition procedure. We don't trust a child to decide whether or not to cross a street on their own. We don't let them vote or make contracts or drive or handle dangerous machinery. So it is sheer lunacy to pretend, as the radical left does, that a young boy can somehow know that they are actually a girl or understand the long-term consequences of mutilating their own body in order to pretend that they are a member of the opposite sex. In fact, contrary to the claims of the radical left trans activist crowd, there is no scientific consensus that even social transition, that is living as if one is a member of the opposite sex, is an appropriate treatment for gender dysphoria in children, let alone surgeries and puberty blockers and hormone treatments. Indeed, it is well established that the vast majority, somewhere between 70 and 97.8%, 97.8% of biological male children who express gender dysphoria revert to a gender identity consistent with their biological sex by late adolescence or adulthood. And that's if you do nothing. They just figure it out. So the science is clearly not on the side of the trans activist crowd. They are pushing an ideology that hurts people and in particular hurts children. So do not believe the lies that the trans agenda is about helping kids. It's not about that at all. It's about gratifying the desires of adults who identify as trans. They want affirmation. They want everyone to celebrate the path that they have chosen for themselves. You see, the so-called trans movement is all about self-gratification. It's about promoting the falsehood that individuals can divine reality and morality for themselves. It is wrapped up in the sin of pride, as defined by St. Thomas Aquinas, the sin of 
an excessive desire for oneself, which rejects subjection to God. And that is what the trans agenda promotes. They do not want to be subjected to the reality of God's creation or God's moral rules. They want to take on for themselves the role of creator and create themselves, define themselves, and live their lives for the gratification of themselves, rejecting God directly and entirely. And that is what makes the trans agenda truly satanic. The communists and socialists on the left, meanwhile, view the transgender activist crowd as useful to their own ends. Transing the kids helps destabilize the family, and it fights against the truth of God and the moral rules for society that God has established. The more people who are oriented, the more people who are oriented entirely towards self-gratification, the more people the left can easily control by means of doling out rewards and inflicting punishments. They're more malleable. The radical left pushes the trans agenda in part because it turns free, independent people who see themselves and their fellow man as created in God's image into malleable serfs better fit to be ruled by their elite guardians. Ultimately, the trans agenda is another tool that the radical left is using to tear down the family, tear down external standards of conduct, and ultimately tear down America. They seek to replace our current society with a communist dystopia, some kind of terrible mix of a brave new world and 1984. So we must stand strong and fight on. We are in the midst of a war for the very soul of America. There is no more important issue than this one. What gender-confused children need is love and nurturing care that helps them accept the beautiful gift of their God-given biological sex. What they don't need is adults who prey upon them and coddle delusions, pushing them down a path of medical interventions that will lead to profound dissatisfaction with life and terrible adverse mental, emotional, and physical consequences. But there is good news. The good news is that we are winning. Target is being forced to back, pull back its activism. Now they're making excuses for why they're doing it, but they are pulling back. And Anheuser-Busch is paying a heavy price for signing on to the LGBT agenda. More and more Americans are waking up to the terrible evils of trans activism every single day. So let's keep up the fight. Do not shop at Target. Do not buy North Face. We can't boycott every company, but we can make examples of the worst offenders. With perseverance and hard work, and by the grace of God, common sense, truth, and the good will ultimately prevail, and we will be able to renew the promise of American freedom for future generations. Well, if you like the content that we are providing, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel, like the video, drop a comment down in the comment section. If you're listening to the audio podcast, please give us a five-star rating. Doing each of those things helps us tremendously. It helps us grow the show and multiply its impact. Now on to behind the headlines. First up today, Sonny Hostin decided to use her platform on The View this week to go after Elon Musk, showing once again that the radical left fundamentally misunderstands where the country is at. Now, as you likely know, Ron DeSantis officially announced his candidacy for president this week. He made his announcement on Twitter, a very unique thing and a good move for him, where he was introduced by and hosted by Elon Musk himself. Now, I have been very vocal about my support for President Trump, but, you know, I really do like Governor DeSantis. He's done a great job in Florida governing as a solid, stalwart and bold conservative who knows how to take the media and the left head on. I think he'll make an excellent presidential candidate and someday a great president, but not this cycle. Right now, the America First movement is obviously led by President Trump. He's the one that really got it going. He created it. And he has demonstrated his ability to take on the radical left and score important victories under very, very difficult circumstances, under withering criticism and, and unfair attacks from the left and from the Democratic Party and the Russiagate nonsense. He stood up to all of that, all the lawsuits, all the craziness, and he still scored important victories for the conservative cause, and he stuck to his guns. That's the kind of person we need in the White House. He is ready and able to continue the war against the deep state. 
and the war against the communists as only he can do. So it seems to me that Trump is the right man for this particular time and the, president, the present challenges that our country faces. But DeSantis would be a great presidential candidate and president down the road. But we do know that whoever the Republican presidential nominee may be, the legacy media will paint that person to be the devil incarnate. And they are getting a head start demonizing Ron DeSantis because they know that while DeSantis almost certainly won't be the Republican nominee this time around, he very well could be our presidential candidate in the future. So Sonny Hostin on The View this week slammed Governor DeSantis, claiming it was unwise for him to announce a presidential bid with someone unpopular like Elon Musk. Well, Hostin is completely delusional. Elon Musk is a bit of an eccentric figure, but he's a popular captain of industry with his hands in the tech, auto, space travel world, and, and, and more. He's responsible for a lot of good things in the world, including the reshaping of Twitter into an actual free speech platform. And it was a good move for them to announce on, on Twitter because all of the legacy media covered that announcement. And then he was able to garner a huge, huge, you know, tens of millions persons audience on Twitter, people that he wouldn't necessarily have, have reached had he just announced, say, in a rally or on some cable news show. So it was a, a very good move. So, but why did Hostin claim that Elon Musk is not popular? Because the radical left and the powerful elites, the people in the circles in which Hostin travels, they hate Elon Musk. They hate that Musk is standing up for free speech and the First Amendment at Twitter. They hate the fact that he is willing to allow both conservatives and people on the left to use Twitter and to, to express their opinions openly. They can't stand anyone of influence who stands up for a fair and open marketplace of ideas. It becomes very obvious why the radical left is so radical once you understand them. They never seek other opinions or entertain any contradiction of their views. They don't care about anyone who isn't an elite who shares their viewpoints and resides in one of our coastal left-leaning cities. And they, dis they disparage anyone who comes to have any level of influence in American cultural and political life that doesn't fit that mold. Therefore, Elon Musk must be unpopular, right? Well, I have some advice for these people. Don't talk so much and try listening. Listen to Middle America. Find out why we believe what we believe. But the leftists won't take that advice, that's for sure. Because if they did, they would have to confront the fact of their own insularity, arrogance, ignorance, and stupidity. All right, second up today. The Black Lives Matter Foundation looks like it is probably on the road to insolvency. A new report came out showing that BLM uh, was $8.5 million in the red. Now, I'm sure everyone out there will join me in congratulating them on this successful failure. Black Lives Matter was founded on a lie. The hands-up, don't-shoot narrative that came out of Ferguson, Missouri, was proven to be a complete lie, a lie so blatant that even Attorney General Eric Holder could not affirm it. BLM claims it is in his name to uphold the single truth, that Black Lives Matter. And of course Black Lives Matter. No one disagrees with that proposition because all human lives matter. We are all made in the image of God, born with inalienable natural rights. Equal protection of the law was supposed to mean just that, equal. But BLM, the political group, isn't really about protecting black lives or promoting the proposition that black lives matter. On the contrary, it's a narrow socialist interest group that exists to lie and push poisonous racial divisiveness, jumping immediately to defend, to defend bogus stories like the Jesse Smollett nonsense, for example. And they sow ill will and chaos as a means of tearing down this country and replacing it with a socialist dystopia. If they truly cared about black Americans, why haven't they used their money more responsibly? It could have been used to invest in black communities by supporting churches in, in impoverished areas or funding after school programs or any number of other things. Instead, however, the organization took millions of dollars, bought mansions and funded communists who vote for policies that encourage lawlessness 
undermine law, law enforcement and refuse to do anything to stop the violent crime in black neighborhoods that kills huge numbers of black Americans every year. In fact, the money donated to BLM would have been, been better used if they just threw it into a pile and burned it. I'm glad that BLM is on the brink of collapse. Let's let the BLM hate group be thrown in onto the ash heap of history, and let's all refocus on the truth that the lives of people of all colors and creeds matter. Third up today, it looks like North Carolina Republicans are soon to score a huge victory for school choice. North Carolina House Bill 823, entitled Choose Your School, Choose Your Future, increases per-pupil funding for private school tuition and expands North Carolina's Opportunity Scholarship Program to all students, regardless of family income. It passed the, the, the House there, and the companion bill is poised to pass the Senate as well. It's expected to reach the governor's desk. Now, the Democrat governor there, Roy Cooper, he's expected to veto the bill, and then the Republican legislators are expected to override the veto. The bill is a comprehensive school choice bill that will award students up to nearly $6,500 for the upcoming school year to be used at a school of their choice. The amount is reduced as family income goes up, but all families, regardless of income, will be eligible for 45% of the maximum per pupil award amount. In response, the possibility, in response to the possibility of this bill passing the Senate and becoming law, Democrat Governor Roy Cooper declared a state of emergency for public education in North Carolina. Just ridiculous. Somehow the advancement of a good common sense bill through proper legislative process and regular order is cause for a state of emergency? Clearly the Democrats are losing their minds. The governor's declaration is, is not a little bit hypocritical as the governor uh, sent his own kids to private school. So apparently public schools in North Carolina aren't good enough for the governor's kids, but they're just fine for everybody else's kids. Well, the real reason for the Democrats' panic in North Carolina, of course, is the fact that diverting money to private schools means more money for non-unionized private school teachers and less money for public school teachers and public school teacher unions. And the teachers' unions are among the biggest funders of Democrat politicians. The Democrats are also terrified, of course, because the passage of the bill will further loosen their stranglehold on education, threatening their ability to indoctrinate our children with woke propaganda and leftist ideology. Notably, North Carolina GOP leadership is pushing the school choice bill. So this is a great example of how conservatives should function with a majority and how bold conservative action by Republicans in power can create real results and yield electoral dividends as well. The GOP in North Carolina did not get two veto-proof majorities by giving in to establishment moderate rhino fear. Unlike, say, I don't know, the Minnesota Republican Party, for example, North Carolina, North Carolina Republican Party leadership did not send out campaign advice to all statewide candidates, suggesting that they avoid talking about, say, abortion entirely and stick to economic issues, because that would be just stupid. They didn't do that. In North Carolina, on the contrary, the North Carolina GOP embraced their conservative positions and values, and they even passed a ban on abortion after 12 weeks, overrode the governor's veto of that bill, ensuring that the law will take effect on July 1st of this year. The North Carolina GOP is going full speed ahead on a broad conservative agenda, and it is succeeding. It includes major tax cuts, abortion restrictions, education reform, redrawing political boundaries with new conservative uh, majority on the North Carolina Supreme Court, and taking on culture war issues as well. Weak rhino state party leadership from other states, like my home state, should take note. Maybe we should send some people to North Carolina with notepads and video gear to record how a successful GOP organization is run, and then study the tapes and notes extensively. Because how to have a backbone is something that isn't quickly or easily learned. Finally today, the L.A. County District Attorney's Office reportedly has a backlog of 10,000 cases, 
One of the causes of this huge backlog is the judge's decision to implement a ridiculous cashless bail policy. L.A. has become known for rampant crime. It's a place where criminals aren't held accountable and victims have no hope for justice. The leftists have turned their idea of social justice into a weapon that uses the justice system to achieve political ends. And their ultimate political end is a lawless society, one that would justify imposition of a national police force and the end of locally controlled policing. According to Breitbart News, inside L.A. District Attorney Gascon's office, people are worried and recognize that the public is losing confidence in their work. One former L.A. prosecutor speaking to the New York Post said, quote, Gascon is so focused on justice for black and brown defendants, but the victims and their families are also black and brown. Where is the justice for them? We are making them victims of the criminal justice system yet again, close quote. That's a very insightful point. Leftists like D.A. Gascon claim to be worried about black and brown people, but who is impacted and harmed by the most, the most by the lawlessness encouraged by the D.A.'s refusal to enforce the law? Very often, the victims are black and brown people, so the radical left's actions undermine their own stated goals. Here's a simple vi vision to benefit all people of all colors in America. If you break the law, you will be punished. I know, radical stuff. It's crazy, right? Well, public safety is a winning issue. It's an important issue we must all fight for, and it's a winning issue for Republicans. Moderates, independents, and even some Democrats recognize that we cannot continue on the current path of lawlessness and chaos and violence. You know, the videos of violent attacks that we are all accustomed to seeing just about daily are horrifying. And, uh, you know, a scared and angry public will not stand for ongoing criminal rampage like this much longer. The American people in all parts of the country are ready to support leaders who will lead our criminal justice system back to the business of punishing criminals and fighting for victims. Well, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like the content that we're providing, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel, like the video, drop a comment in the comment section. If you're listening to the audio podcast, give us a five-star rating. Doing all those things helps us tremendously. And remember one more thing, the CCP must be destroyed.